Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. When We Were Young Festival. Taylor Swift versus Damon Albarn. And Neil Young takes on Spotify. You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to episode 67 of The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin McKay, and we have a very uh, crazy kind of lineup this week, I feel like, with stories. Uh, just a lot of drama. It's a very dramatic week. <laughs> very, very dramatic. Say. I was like letting you on your own island for a minute, so I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got three stories that you know it's going to be a good week when I see them out of music publications and people are like, what does this mean? I don't know, understand. Well, I'm going to tell you what it means. But uh, it's it's been wild. Uh, apparently, people are just starting beef wherever they want. Yeah, it's kind of about whatever they want. About whatever they want. And Saying uh, things that maybe are not true, but want to say them anyway. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it, it's pretty wild. Um and I, I, I well, let's get through our stuff first before I go into this because it's kind of a rabbit hole. Jody, you want to tell them about our newsletter? Yeah, absolutely. So every podcast needs a good newsletter. At least that's what the newsletter fairies tell me in my sleep. So you can subscribe to the BizTape newsletter uh, with the link in our bio or our socials, which will also have the link. And it's going to feature stories we can't fit in the show music we recommend, showing the results of Colin's polls, and links to vote to the new ones, and links to our episodes, and as well as updates on yeah, the show. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of what it 
was formed out of is just to make a nice little thing to go in your inbox. And mostly it came out of the need of, I just find so many stories that I find are a little bit out of the reach of just talking about it within the format of the show, but I Mm -hmm. want people to see it and, you know, have a discussion about it. So I thought the funny part is I was talking to people who listen to the show and they were like, I was like, oh, did you also see this? That was off our show. And they're like, no, like, no, did that really happen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like talked to them about it and I like informed them what's going on with that. And they're like, whoa, I would have never saw that if you didn't tell me. So I felt like, man, let's, let's bring some of these other, you know, topics to uh, your inbox every, every week. Yeah, absolutely. Should be pretty fun. Uh, I'll, I'll be adding, you know, little comments about them as well. You know, why is this important? What's going on with this? But uh, yeah, we're going to have a link uh, in the description for adding your email, and I hope to launch it early February. Yep. So we'll see about that. And maybe eventually merch. Maybe, maybe eventually ver- merch. we got to move one step there. at a time. Yeah. Um, currently, the best way to support the show is downloads and this newsletter. So if you're interested in helping us get to that point with merch, uh, please do either of those. And then our socials at the BizTape, BizTapePodcast at gmail.com. Okay, now that we're done with the civility. <laughs> done with the the poking and prodding and right the, now that the we're capitalist movement now that we're done well we're going to go into the capitalist movement but now that we're done with the civil part like the actual you know this is nice let's be nice with every human being uh let's go into why are all these people mad at each other uh first why are these people mad at each other you may have seen the story we see taylor swift uh slamming uh <laughs> I, I can't believe that. I, like <laughs> I tweeted, wild. I tweeted out. I was like, is this really what's going on? I didn't like the I, gorillas guy. I think I put in our tweet on our Twitter. I said, I feel like I'm filling in a musical Mad Lib where it's like <laughs> in 2022, Taylor Swift will have beef with Joe fill in the blank. Any musician whatsoever. Damon Albarn. All right, let's keep going. So uh, Damon <laughs> is on Melancholy Hill for his comments <laughs> oh, against Taylor Swift. And he is not having a good time. Uh, if you might know Auburn, he is the co-creator of the Gorillas and also the front man for clearly the superior project to the Gorillas. Blur. We don't <laughs> talk about Blur. Okay? Uh, God, we uh, don't want to talk about. Blur, Blur was a competitor to Oasis in the '90s. I uh, know someone's listening. That's a rabid Blur, Blur fan. fan. Yeah, sorry. And they're getting Blur so mad. <laughs> they got a couple songs, but uh, Auburn, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times, was not saying woohoo about Taylor's uh, song writing skills and uh claims that swift does not write her own music and then the interviewer basically was like excuse me and said like most people think she's a talented songwriter mm-hmm. and greats one at that and even saying that you know swift's written music and co-writes a lot of music which alborn just jumped on and said quote that doesn't count <laughs> i know what co-writing is co-writing is very different to writing i'm not hating on anyone i'm just saying there's a big difference between a songwriter and a songwriter who co-writes. Doesn't mean that the outcome can't be really great. Uh, which the co-creator of, of the gorillas, gorillas said. which is literally all co-writing. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I just want to reiterate that uh, Taylor, rightfully so, was very upset about the comments, saying in a tweet, "Quote: I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this," which is honestly pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. "Quote: I write all of my own songs." 
your ho- your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really effed up to try and discredit my writing. Wow. Uh, Swift added, P.S. I wrote this tweet all by myself, in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, even Jack Antonoff, which I've talked about a lot on the show, but he if you don't know, he's one of the uh, main producers always around Taylor Swift's music mo- in the modern age now, jumped in sarcastically saying, quote, apparently... Almar knows more than the rest of us about all these songs Taylor writes and brings in, if you were there, cool, go off. If not, maybe shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, Alborn did not did end up apologizing, a quote unquote. He did end up apologizing as after he was called out, important to the story. It wasn't like he was like, you know what? After reflecting personally. After looking no, in the mirror for after three he got, hours. After he got severely flamed. <laughs> He decided to uh, tweet out an apology. He said, quote, I totally agree with you. I had a conversation about songwriting, and sadly, it was reduced to clickbait. I apologize unreservedly and unconditionally. The last thing I would want to do is discredit your songwriting. I hope you understand. Okay, that's the story, but Mm -hmm. everyone's been talking about it. So I think the first thing that I'll say is, remember when I read the direct quote? earlier what he said about what he said yeah yeah how the f is that clickbait i don't know um maybe if you like maybe anything's clickbait if you really think about it yeah i i guess uh is just like if it becomes popular it's It's clickbait clickbait. and then it doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. which is not true um i also wanted to bring up that the interviewer when they were talking to alburn said funny enough that he was a really big fan like it was a little weird like in the way the writing was it was almost after his comments about co-writing and all that stuff he was like i guess in his mind he was like wait 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 wait, this probably gonna sound really bad and he started talking about how he likes billy eilish and phineas Mm -hmm. a lot and really thinks their music is great i guess trying to like defend himself further on um, especially from calls of misogyny, which could be at play here. And honestly, seems like it could, I like, I was just, Taylor Swift's a very common target for especially male musicians just to like throw out there and be like, everybody sucks at writing except me. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift. Yeah. It just, I mean, we obviously don't know if that's taken like one to one ratio of like what he meant when he was saying that it could have just been as easy as right. he doesn't like Taylor it does Swift. come off very severely misogynistic yeah, in my it, opinion yeah but I, agree. I and my that's my personal theory is that i thought he was like let's back this up a little bit and talk about billy eilish i mean he might just like their music billy eilish and phineas but it just seemed really weird to be like co-writing isn't real writing. yeah i mean it, it really just seemed like the the hipster boy take the like that's trying to be deep like he even went into like i like billy eilish's music because she's moody and broody basically <laughs> and it was like okay but like taylor swift's lyrics don't hold any meaning either like what are you right what do you, what do you want yeah. yeah are you kidding she's like broody as hell <laughs> like, right so have you listened to a taylor swift song probably not probably has not but I, yeah i think uh the the hypocrisy is very uh rampant in his statements for sure especially like i mean gorillas is his biggest project hands down and it's literally all like co-writes and collaborations features features and like a lot of the time i don't think he writes any of the songs 
either. You know? so, so we could go. We could even go as deep as that. Yeah, I'm glad, you brought, I'm glad you brought this up because for the purposes of this show, I mean, everyone was just talking about the beef, but I think there's kind of a greater message in here that I'd like to bring up and kind of talk about is what I would call the devaluation of the term songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been, but like, let's think about it in the fifties and sixties, like, uh, okay, here's one that could go in the newsletter that I didn't talk about. Uh, Bob Dylan sold his recorded catalog to Sony for $200 million, not the publishing, the recorded side, right? Yeah. Bob Dylan is a really great example of someone that is like, he's a songwriter. Bob Dylan writes his songs and that's kind of how it, was a lot of the time back in the day is it was a lot of like this is my song yeah right and then we've talked about it on the show is that in a lot of these songwriters and producers and engineers kind of wised up and were like hey if you contribute to this song and like its creation especially if they didn't come into the studio with it completely put together of the form and lyrics and everything then you can get a songwriting credit and mm-hmm. publishing money is such has such a crazy value more than being, you know, getting the recorded side in terms of longevity and just the money in general. So that's what everyone grabbed onto. And when we're talking about the Grammys and making those jokes about how, you know, you look at a Doja Cat or a Justin Bieber and there's 50 songwriters on one song or an album, that's why they're all doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I understand I've seen some discussion about this, about the idea of what does a songwriter really mean anymore? Yeah. Because it's like, okay, made a little bit more sense. Little, I'll say made some more straightforward uh, strides in the 60s more being like, oh, you actually wrote the song. That makes sense. But again, there were people who were getting cut out of the process and mm-hmm. everything. And, you know, you you don't have to split it down the middle sometimes. I mean, there's agreements where it's like you're going to get 5% of the publishing money and you're going to get put down as a songwriter. Yeah. But a lot of the time, as we talked about last It's more episode, of just like the general view of a songwriter. Yeah. It's like more about like what does a songwriter mean more than the money? Yeah. And, and, and who's actually creating this product? And I, I do think you're right. I think with all these pop hits. I mean, it's very public news now of like how many songwriters are behind a lot of these, these popular songs that we're listening to. And generally it's like 50 plus songwriters on like one hit track, you know, or something. And so you're, the average person is going to look at that and go, why the fuck do you need that many people to write this simple ass song? Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, 50, like I, I don't take it as a context here is hyperbole, but the, I'm sure it exists somewhere. But Probably. It, I mean, but giant lists of names right. for a lot of these records, huge names. So what, what I'm trying to say is like that idea that I think a lot of people have different opinions on is the value of being like, I'm a songwriter on this song, because I think the question for a lot of people is, okay, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of people's cases, the problem is, is that you just don't know. Like, you will never know. Yeah, you, you weren't you in you the room. You don't understand what kind of value you're bringing to the song, really. You know, I mean, you could have you played the triangle at a, at a time you're like, let's add triangle in. And in my opinion, I think you should be part songwriter at that point. For the know? triangle? Yeah, for the triangle okay, part. Why well, not? <laughs> we're a little bit different. But <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm saying... That tri- triangle part slaps, okay, Colin. Okay. Uh, but like, I, I personally, which is why I included it, kind of go towards Antonoff's opinion here, which you know, most people are more about like, oh, look how 
pissed he is and inflammatory he is with his language. But I'm more of like, I think you're missing the big thing and takeaway from Antonov's statement here, which is bring in, if you were there, cool, go off, mm-hmm. which I think is very important is I think there is a huge thing with artists and producers and engineers who do get credits for stuff that they probably shouldn't have credit for. And I think that's what Antonov is kind of illustrating here is like, there are situations where at the end of the day, you could go into there, be like a songwriter. You like if me and Joe wrote a song together and stuff. And then a producer gets there and he adds a couple, maybe like one or two words. And then people just see on our song, it says there's three songwriters on there. People, assume it's like oh they wrote a third and a third and a third or and they're all equal but it's like no it's me and joe's song like we mostly wrote it together but songwriting credits don't discriminate they're not going to be like taylor swift has 65 percent of the songwriting on this song and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. even you can't even go to the I money mean, you do kind of divvy it up in the publishing Royalties. Right, but you can't even go to the money, though, is the problem. It's not straightforward. Some people have enough clout where they can get higher percentage of songwriting. And then like, you get into the whole ethics of like... Is that even is, right? Yeah, what is 5% of a song? You mm-hmm. know, like, what is that? Like, I, do I have to go word by word? It's like, it's just like half of the chorus, the first chorus, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. Duh, is everybody chorus, knows that. Is the chorus more valuable than a verse? <laughs> is the verse more valuable than a chorus? If you write two verses, does that equal one chorus? What about the hook, Colin? Don't forget the hook. <laughs> does $500 of Monopoly money equal one chorus? I don't know. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I At the end of the day, my take, and we talked about a little bit this off mic, is I think we should be looking at this more from a not let's bring people down and think, Hey, did you really deserve enough to have a songwriting credit? I think that conversation is happening mm-hmm. and people fight tooth and nail. They, people are smart now with the songwriting credits and hopefully, but it's still a very undereducated thing for a lot of artists who are like, Oh shit, I should have got that publishing money 20 years ago. But what I think is we need to promote more people up who are doing things that would be, necessarily a songwriting credit yeah like and, the producers and the right, engineers that and then also show the power of those roles take mm-hmm. the songwriting out of it i mean i would say a great example is we we mentioned it it before in the past is uh if you watch that netflix documentary with taylor swift there's a really good moment in there where she's in the studio and she's playing on the keyboard after she wrote the song and uh she's playing the keyboard and like you know kind of mapping it out with the producer and then it just cuts and the hard cut is to when the producer's done all the producer things to it and made it like a beat and a drum and (laughs) And we didn't get to see any of that right we didn't get to see any of that and like i'm like this guy did crazy work too on this song like taylor's song was good Mm -hmm. but this is great now because of their interaction with each other yeah so i feel like it's more of yes we know the songwriting problem is a problem i think there are a lot of people that have erroneous credits and are going a little bit too far and there's no straightforward way of it. But I also think it's like, we don't have enough emphasis on some of these people on the back line that are like, Hey, this is what it is. And I think it's the nature of pop music and the way it's become less instrumental is also added to that in terms of like, if you saw Led Zeppelin, right, you'd be like Jimmy Page and, you know, like Bonham or, you know, Bonham and everything like that. You would be like, Oh, those four guys and all that kind of stuff. But when you get to more of like, 
oh, it's this person working with a producer, it's kind of sad to see that people just hide the producer away a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Some have made strides to kind of be out in the front, but yeah, I mean, it's very well, less. Well, and that's why I think the value of some of these celebrity producers kind of helps that a little bit more because it's like it is kind of bringing more people interest in the job. And I think that's what you need with fans and the prominence of it and it not just you know people always were like what's a producer anybody can be a producer but i think now it's like we know who really the producers are yeah you know people get shit done get shit done Uh, done get it done pretty as they say cnn underscore's guide to sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring an unforgettable performance by grammy and academy award-winning singer songwriter and composer john batiste the all-new infinity qx80 is unlike any luxury suv you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. On on this episode of Who's Pissed at Who, Neil Young demands Spotify remove his music over false information about vaccines. This was going all over the place. Yeah. So, quote, they can have Joe Rogan or Young, not both, said Neil Young in a since-deleted letter to his management team over his qualms with the digital streaming service. (laughs) Seemingly being complacent over Joe Rogan's misinformation blasts over his highly popular podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, which anybody who's paid attention to any news outlet knows of the controversies at this point. So according to Rolling Stone, quote, 
Last month, 270 doctors, physicians, and science educators signed an open letter asking Spotify to stop spreading Rogan's baseless, baseless claims. The letter states, quote, with an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, JRE, which is hosted exclusively on Spotify, is the world's largest podcast and has tumentuous Tremendous influence. I would say tumentuous too. (laughs) (laughs) Spotify has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform, though the company presently has no misinformation policy. So Young, who has made a huge impact in the music industry as a prolific protest songwriter and musician, is no stranger to putting his foot down. The former Canadian, now full American citizen, wrote a letter to former President Donald Trump stating, quote, you are, dis- you are a disgrace to my country. Nice. <laughs> End quote. So that's not even touching the surface of all the stuff he's done in the 70s. Oh, yeah, we could go way Yeah, back. we could go, like... Uh, He's he's been so forthcoming with like his political stance and like what he believes in, and he's really a proponent of uh, relaying that in his songwriting as well. But um, Colin, do you think you as a young fan, um, as a young fan, because you're a young Thank boy, you. you're a young it. boy, but do you think that his stance is actually going to get Spotify to do anything? Not without collective action. Um, it, let's just do the math. Collective bargaining. Uh, Colin, is that what you're getting into? Pretty the much. buzzword? Yeah. Uh, collective bargaining. <laughs> collect, I would say collective action because you, it, to even get to bargaining, you, people have to make a stand first. So, like, the problem with this is just math. Um, Neil Young has 6.1 million views a month, mm-hmm. like plays a month, and Joe Rogan has 11 million listeners an episode. Yeah. So it's not tomatoes, tomatoes. I mean, very impressive, 6.1 million, but, like, Still really crazy. Now, that's just on his page, and Young has a lot of... I, I don't know if that counts like Crosby, still Nash, and Young, which is the super group he was in in the 70s, but because he has, like, publishing there, and he could... If he has control of his publishing, could be like, hey, what, you know, we don't want this, and then... But that gets into complicated stuff of majority of publishing has to vote that, mm-hmm. whatever. But the point that I'm trying to say is that it's such a smaller number um, compared to Joe Rogan, and at the end of the day... I, that's not going to get Spotify to make a response because with any of these giant companies and tech companies, it's going to take something on their bottom line to hurt them. Um, I haven't, in my opinion so far, I haven't seen enough of like, yes, young, we are with you. We are all doing that. You know, other artists being like, we're also not doing, we're also that. I think if it was going to happen, it literally would have had to been like next 24, 48 hours would have had to been a banding together mm-hmm. to get the strongest response. But I, at the end of the day, I don't know. I think Spotify is going to have to probably try to make a statement but they haven't really. They've been very neutral because th- that's their whole thing. They're like, we're an audio company. Yeah. That's what we do. We like propel voice mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, do you also think that's because they paid him, Joe Rogan, specifically $100 million? With I mean, deal? that's another thing. I mean, like, they kind of have to double down. Spend money like is, point. yeah. You're, they are definitely in the podcasting world a a beacon for is this going to work like you paying a podcaster a hundred million dollars this is really going to bring people to the platform and that's been a a question that's been floated around in the podcast community is is it worth it um in terms of the amount of money people are paying outright for podcasts and 
at this point, we don't know. Uh, I will say I would also mention that Joe Rogan's terms of value to Spotify is also exponential in terms of advertising because Mm -hmm. it would be really weird if you were like jamming out to like a Neil Young protest song and like a Squarespace ad came on in the middle of it. Right. That would be weird. Yeah. (laughs) So like that's the other thing is like it's marketable ad wise too. So that's another form of revenue that they can do other than just the views. Um, And, and so, but do you think it's morally right to keep like, jerry going or or not even i don't coming at it that's the thing that i i don't know i definitely do, do first off disagree with uh, i mean he was literally having a doctor on who was a discredited doctor talking about how COVID's nothing and all this kind of stuff and he's yeah i believe in the past talk about the stupid farming uh, the horse pills i can't remember what they're yeah. called right now ivermectin yes and yes. so like he 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 has perpetuated it not as much as let's say like an Alex Jones or something, but it's like more of a uh, non, it's like a non-commitment almost. Like yeah. he hasn't really been like, yes, vaccines work. Everyone should get a vaccine. But he also hasn't been like, the vaccines don't work. It doesn't matter. You guys shouldn't get that. So he's just kind of like in this complacency where it's like, huh, you're young. You could just get sick or whatever. So like for Spotify, I think it's it's a difficult decision for them because at the end of the day, there are 11 million people that care more about Joe Rogan than Spotify's themselves, right? They care about more about the voice of Joe Rogan, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why they listen. They want to, like, it doesn't really matter. Not, not many people have, like, an allegiance to, like, a Spotify or an Apple podcast or an Apple music, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's the hard part about this is Spotify navigating, since they've decided to go into being a audio company which means opening it up to spoken word as opposed to just music you get into more political ramifications i mean you can make whatever political song you want at the end of the day people will be like it's artistic freedom all this kind of stuff but when you're literally speaking words into a microphone that are full sentences uh that's that's more of a direct message and less artistic freedom yeah (laughs) so for sure i i don't i i think my opinion right now, they're probably going to make a statement of some sort, and I bet it's going to be pretty weak. I bet it's going to be like Spotify, you know, is an audio company that's a free speech platform, you know, or something, and people are entitled to it, and it's like free market economics, basically. If you guys don't like it, don't listen to it, I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing's going to happen, I think, in terms of Joe Rogan, unless there was a severe, severe backlash from maybe the music side, and even then... It's a hard thing. I mean, you got to, again, remind yourself. I mean, you have your actual streaming money and stuff that's brought to the platform from people paying for the DSP. But, like, there are people that the the ads cannot be understated in the Joe Rogan stuff. It's just another form of revenue that none of this music stuff can really have. Yeah. Unless you want a Squarespace ad in the middle of a Neil Young song. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who knows? Might be a vibe. Probably not. Maybe. I uh, did you ever see that Neil Young um, video of like it was like way back? It was like I think it was around the seventies where he got pissed at this record shop for <laughs> selling a bootleg record. I believe his. so. I mean, he's gone on a lot of tirades. Uh, I mean, some very good, some very questionable. Where it's like, okay, what, what are we talking about? Yeah, Neil, he's just like, a fiery guy. He's a fiery I mean, guy, and I do appreciate that he clearly has a passion and wants to stand up for what he thinks is right. And it seems like he generally wants the best for people. 
mm-hmm. but that's also kind of the hard part about young is the the history behind him makes him not the most charismatic for other people to go to behind, behind him, yeah because yeah. a lot of people just think he's like a fireball you know what i mean it, he may have the best intentions but some of these people might not want to be like hey i stand with neil young i'm gonna get my music off the platform because then you're associated with everything that neil young has done in his past and that's kind of the difficulty in this is that you're literally making a stand you can make a song with anybody yeah whatever it's a little weird if you're like with somebody that's a terrible person but like when you're literally like i stand with this person as a person versus just like we make music together that's a way bigger stance yeah yeah for sure i mean i i also just think neil young is like you said looking at the numbers it's just not as it's not enough yeah it's not enough he's kind of you know he's towards the end of his career right and i'll give him like it's not like a lot of the times when people sometimes do this they'll do it for more of a monetary angle like there's some part of that that's in play you know like oh this could be good to vitalize my career or whatever but i feel like young has pulled the fire cord of like extreme stuff so much that That it's it's like it's almost it's diminishing returns yeah and at the end of the day if his music gets put off from there it's just gonna hurt him financially you know and so like i sincerely do think that he just has the opinion about joe rogan as do i that he should not be spreading misinformation and it is confusing for spotify as a platform to have him on there but we're not at this point with DSPs like Apple Music, Spotify, uh, YouTube Music, all these kind of ones where we see it kind of like a Netflix or a HBO, which is kind of strange if you think about it. Because it's almost like the same. Yeah, you're platforms. streaming content. And then, you know, if it's weird to like kind of compare, it's like, oh, Netflix can get all of this shit at them and have to make, you know, big public statements and the company stock is might go down because of this and all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. about like, let's say the Dave Chappelle situation that went up, went and happened. But it's weird that that doesn't go to music like companies in terms of no, Spotify's never had to do anything like that before. And this is kind of interesting to see happen because this is like the first time because Joe Rogan is the number one podcast in the world that Spotify actually has to make a, a stance like a Netflix, like an HBO and be like, yeah, we can't just be completely uh, parallel to our content. We're tied together. Our mm-hmm. image is tied with Joe Rogan's image because he's in front of the world with Spotify logos everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't with think that weird, happen, creepy, creepy logo he's got with the spinning head shit. Oh man, I think if there's was, one thing that, that was a red flag, people. Like if we <laughs> if we didn't see it then, like if there's one thing that I've learned in media, if they have a logo that doesn't update red flag yeah <laughs> right oh no like, Colin, don't hold us to that <laughs> well we'll have we've updated twice all right so get back true true so we're we, we we've done it twice he's done it i don't know maybe once or twice i, I i'm not a logo expert <laughs> so are you saying we're just as popular as joe rogan because we've updated in the logo space yes oh <laughs> As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. 
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Let's get to the meat potatoes. Um, last song, people potatoes. are mad mad at each other. Uh, let's talk about When We Were Young Festival, and it's basically the, the festival's existence versus the rest of the world. Yeah, <laughs> It's kind of what it is. Um, so, yeah. They really, they really just, like, threw this out, and then people were just like, fuck you. Okay, yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying, I was going to start with, is if you've not heard about When We Were Young Festival, it's... I'd be surprised. It's taken the internet by storm. Personally, I don't know about you. This is like the most press I've seen for a festival in years. Yeah. Like Bonnaroo and Coachella, you know, big major two festivals, in my opinion, in the United States. When they release a lineup now, it's just kind of like expected. There's nothing crazy. Everybody's like, and, and all the little groups of fans are excited if like their artist is featured in it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the whole internet is like, yeah, Bonnaroo. But everyone was like this when we when we were young festival. So if you haven't heard, the internet was shocked to see a lineup of sixty-two bands of all the who's who of the two thousands to early twenty tens emo, pop punk, post hardcore, basically anything you find in a hot topic. That those bands are playing this festival. Hell yeah. Right. And we talked about Paramore last week. They're playing this festival. And I mentioned that briefly, which is why we didn't talk about last week because it literally broke right as we were recording. Uh, we had My Chemical Romance is also on there. Avril Lavigne is on there to name a few. So you, I'm sure you can get the vibe of the kind of music Hell based yeah. on that. Um, and also anything that would have been on Vans Warp Tour that still basically existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, 62 Vans took a lot of people by like, surprised and the question was is it too good to be true is is this real that's literally if you start looking up the festival i did have to pinch myself a little bit like right. seeing some of because i people thought it was fake and it, I, even now if you look up this festival when we were young festival google will autofill 
when we were young festival scam because <laughs> people don't uh, people are people so don't trust it. about it <laughs> yeah and i'll tell you it, there's kind of two points that are the reasons why people are very concerned about it uh first was the size and the logistics mm-hmm. and then second was the legitimacy and the history of the promoter so let's like break all of these down so starting with size 62 bands is huge yeah it's a huge undertaking for any festival but when this festival was announced it was one day which is fucking nuts right because like all of those fans are going to be pissed okay if they can't see i'm glad you brought this up i and here i did some quick math on twitter to even figure out some logistics like stuff and i tweeted out and basically i said hypothetically let's say they had five stages right mm-hmm. they do 12 bands a stage for like an hour each that would still that would be a tight 12 hours a lot of these festivals like to stay 12 hours because it's like hey a crew can work like 12 hours. So like if you're an audio crew or lighting crew and you work a stage for 12 hours, that's fine. You don't have to have a shift or whatever. Obviously some festivals are a little bit different, but that's kind of the vibe as they try to get around there. Yeah. Um, But thankfully now they've added two days. It used to be one. They recently just added two more. So now it's a three day festival. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll help. But now I've found out there are only three stages Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. And Forbes, in an effort to stop information, misinformation, and I'll link the article below, as with all of our articles, was talking about the venue that this is happening, which is the Las Vegas Fairgrounds. Has They've set up in the past at that venue four stages before, and that the backs of stages can be loaded and then rotated with less than 15 minutes of changeover. Wow. Um, so I'm guessing, they didn't really go into detail, and I was trying to find out about this. I'm assuming that that means that there's basically like a giant circle in the middle of the stage. Mm -hmm. And then there's a thing that separates the circle in the middle, what we would call the diameter. No. uh, (laughs) And uh, that little thing separates the stage and then they just rotate it. Uh, But Forbes brought up, which I'm going to get into a little bit. They go, quote, not particularly hard as long as there are enough roadies on site to move equipment and plug in the gear, which Yay, there's a worker shortage. I don't know if anyone in America's heard about this or supply chain issues. Anybody heard about this before? No. Uh, but like, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, if there's enough people, sure, anything's mm-hmm. possible with enough people. But in the, like a labor shortage. We could take over a whole country with enough people, Colin. <laughs> Too real. <laughs> with enough subscribers. That's right. God, subscribe God. now. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. But like, that's what I'm saying is like, there's a huge like what if scenario. And that's kind of what I've seen a lot. And which is why I was interested to talk about on this podcast is a lot of articles like this Forbes one and other articles I've seen have just been like, yeah, professionals can just handle this. And I'm like, this is still really like, hard. Tough. Yeah. For this is a very tough day if you're working this working these days. Yeah. So and then this is not even to get into, you know, every festival always runs off on time. It just happens. And that every band has their own little particular thing that's going on that makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. And you just have to deal with it. And if, you know, it, it would make sense. It's like, oh, every band has its little thing. At least there's like, I don't know, maybe like 10 bands playing the stage. Oh, I'm sorry. There's 62 bands playing today. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's get to the other part of this problem is like you mentioned, fan expectation mm-hmm. is going to be a huge problem with this festival. If it can be physically possible. Uh, thankfully the venue has held many thousands of people at this place. So it's not going to be an issue of that, but my thing is specifically with their expectation of how this is going to work. Uh, like you brought up the conflicting times 
Um, yeah. Currently, it seems to me, I have not seen anything else, that since they added three more days, or two more days, that they've just added the lineup two more times, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess the idea is like, hey, you didn't catch Dance Gavin Dance today. Tomorrow, you're going to go to Avril Lavigne. Then you can catch you know, Dance Gavin Dance on the last day or something. Yeah. I guess that's the idea. But like, if you're a GA ticket and you're trying to make the most out of this... There might be a shit ton of just one day tickets because people are going to go, hey, I can save money. I can just get one GA ticket and I'm going to try to see as many bands as possible. Mm-hmm. But when there's 62 of them playing, you might have some conflicts between the three stages of who are you going to see? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is there's three stages with 62 bands for three days. If you go for one day, those sets are probably going to be freaking short. Like I said, five band, five stages, 12 bands a stage, an hour each. It's got to be shorter for three stages. Yeah. So, yeah, like, and they even brought up in the article, Forbes did that in the case of the headliners, the fest said that they would play, quote, at least an hour. So that probably means that the rest of them are not an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's even less than that. So like, yeah, this is going to be really tough for fan expectation. I mean, I would be pissed, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I went to go see Paramore and they only played for like four 40 minutes i'd be like what the fuck right or you know i want to go see a couple bands and there's no way of solving everyone's little issues they have everybody everybody has their own bands that they want to hit you know see and everything so yeah it's going to be an issue if there's no pleasing everyone and this festival already has a lot of negative press and it seems to have a lot of haters so (laughs) they are what more than seem more than willing to come up and be like this fucking thing sucks. It's always the pop punk community, man. They're um, just like they're they're very picky, and I love it. I'm I'm respectful. Please don't dox me. So <laughs> let's go to the second part of this. The next issue is this being a quote unquote real event and the conspiracy around it, and then that also ties into the promoter being da 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 Live Nation. Ooh, surprise! Right, a surprise to no one. Ooh. Anyway, uh, TikTok and social media person like personalities basically felt the festival was too good to be true like i was saying and they basically said they felt that there was no way for all these bands to be on the same lineup and at the time let alone playing one day and some of these legacy bands felt that like but basically were like some of these legacy bands were all together in this thing and they were like no they're not they haven't really played that much in a while or all that. So they just were a lot of personal conflicts. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them even went as far as I saw was they were like, oh, the legacy bands that were older wouldn't all play in the same bill with this. They're too big for this, which I'm like, remember my adult contemporary joke from last episode? Yeah. They stick together because <laughs> when they start losing relevance, as time just goes on, this isn't anyone's fault. Just time passes on Colin, and music stop. that you liked Colin, as a child stop. No. becomes less relevant. No, Colin, don't do it. Look, I'm tired of this. I've listened to unpopular music my entire life. So <laughs> you've I'm, had to deal with I've this. I've swallowed this pill my entire <laughs> life. So now that people are getting who are around my age of like 25 to older are <laughs> now having visibly mad. Oh, right I'm telling now. you, dude. I'm like, get ready for this pill because it's been my entire life. <laughs> anyway, uh, another thing stirring the pot was that a couple bands even claimed they didn't even know they were on the lineup. 
Um, bands, okay, first off, I'd like to point out, bands don't even know what cities they're going to on a tour. That's, thank you. <laughs> like, you could talk to any band and be like, I'm going to go see you on this day. And they're going to be like, whoa, I didn't even know we were going to go there. Not to mention there. this festival's in October. Yeah, so, people aren't even thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, and especially if you're already an established act, you have a team. You're not the person doing all of this, right? Yeah. You're going to you're going to get a nice email in a couple of weeks being like here are the tour dates. Right. And, and then so you're never going to see I them couldn't again. find them all. I saw them on Twitter, but I tried to find them again, but Twitter's kind of a shit show to find things again. So I That is I, Twitter. I can't find them, but there were a couple bands that were basically like, "Hey, I didn't know we were on this bill." And some of them got chalked up to, oh, apparently our manager didn't tell us going into what we were saying. So yeah. I, I think that's it. The big one that people were like really pointing at, which I thought was a little bit, a little bit too conspiracy minded, was that the All American Rejects posted on Instagram the lineup and then said, apparently we're playing with all of these bands. And people basically thought that was an omission of them not knowing. And I'm like, I think it's more like a sarcastic joke. Like, apparently we're playing with all these bands. Come see us. But yeah. I was like, you can't really grab like they didn't know from that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a little bit too much. And then the conspiracy theories, again, have not been helped because Live Nation is the promoter. Uh, we made a whole episode specifically about this, but Live Nation was the promoter of Astroworld which obviously you probably know how that turned out and many other festivals, which sit tight because I will elaborate on that. And so many claim that there could be some safety issues like Astroworld all over this festival, especially for something that's very hyped. And a lot of people were making the compare and contrast of Astroworld being like, this is an extremely hyped venue. Everybody wants to see all these bands. Uh, they've been pent up, all this kind of stuff. So could we have issues with this? Like we did with Astroworld, which I'm, you know, I'm going to, we'll get into it, but I don't blame people for making that comparison uh, Mm -hmm. at all. Like I don't, it's been a scary time for concerts. So I don't blame you. And I understand your feelings about it. But moving on, uh, Forbes, the, the worst part about it is like people can't really provide more information than like, I think people want, in my opinion, like if there was a way that I could see a safety document or something like, hey, this is kind of like what we're going to do if this happens. But I know why they don't make that public because they don't want it to be public knowledge. Yeah. Um, it would make people more at ease. But for now, Forbes has to say stuff, you know, the Live Nation, quote, backed event would be more secure because of the lessons taken from the tragedy in, in Houston. And that event had a particularly aggressive crowd, which I'm like, every one of these. Yeah. yeah any hype show has it's an gonna aggressive It's going to be an crowd. aggressive crowd. Oh, good. You know what? Yeah. I'm like, have you guys seen pop punk music and some heavier bands? They Mosh, did you know that can be a little bit aggressive sometimes? Mm-hmm. And they're fine. Uh, I almost wanted to be like, Maybe, I don't know. It has to deal with the type of music that was at Astro World, and y'all are making assumptions, but I'm just going to move on from that. Yeah. Um, and then they said the professionals who build secu- security plans are attuned to disruptive behaviors and will almost certainly be faster to eject those who whose actions jeopardize the safety of others in attendance and that the Vegas police are well-equipped to stem those who uh, commence or incite poor behavior, which I was just like, that that's not comforting to every anybody, you no. know. Like that's. The, I mean, that's not. But like, and that's also, the truth. That's the worst part. There's a security shortage still, right? Too, which was the whole issue with Astroworld. Well, one of the issues. Yeah. So, well. and we're still waiting for the investigation to go through, but there have been notable. We didn't have enough personnel claims yeah. at Astroworld. It was a big issue for so, sure. So yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, it, it's 
like that's the hard part about this is like you can't even stem the conspiracy and the fear of this because like the best they can give is what i just read you where it's just like well it should be okay mm-hmm. people yeah and i get it it's not it's a hard pill to swallow but yeah let's just move on to that another flack which is pretty much the last one is that they're pointing out live nation because of the price of the tickets being a lot higher than the other events of these kind of genres in the past such as warp tour um, with currently, uh, the GA prices for one date are $244, Holy uh, shit. three days is $420 and then VIP is 520, which if you're listening to this and you're going to go to this, just pay for the VIP. It's like a hundred dollars yeah, more. I, like, yeah. I would just a hundred percent. I'd pay for like, the VIP. I, I've point. never seen a VIP that close before. Usually VIP would be like. Seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and I was like, "That's Dude, really weird." Those prices are insane, right? They um, are pretty insane. They're pretty insane, but I also think it's like it is sixty-two bands. But that also brings up a. But big you're thing. not going to be able to see, see sixty-two bands. That's why I think it puts a bad taste in people's mouths because there was already the issue when it was only one date, right? Mm-hmm. Of you're not going to see everybody's bands. So it makes it feel like I feel like for a lot of consumers that you have to buy the three-day ticket. Yeah. For, you know, almost to, to really get your money's right, worth out. Right. For of it. for almost double the price is like what you have to buy. You have to buy it. And that's kind of weird, right? So to summarize it all, what could go wrong at a conspiracy heavy festival run by a promoter under a lot of scrutiny with a huge devoted fan base who has waited years from corona and a lack of a lineup this strong with thin margins of time and an overworked entertainment workforce? <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, this is kind of what I'm saying is, uh, <laughs> look, I get it. I personally feel secure about it. But the the thing is, is that I, even me, I work in live entertainment. I'm shook, like, about <laughs> all of this. shook. I'm shook about it. You know, it's like, it, it is concerning. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. Astroworld did open up a lot of eyes uh, on the industry. And a lot of people have been really examining it and being like, are we doing enough? for a lot of these issues. So I I think at the end of the day, I want to come off and say like, I don't feel weird or bad about people having doubt over this. It's confusing. And again, like even myself who knows, you know, enough about live entertainment to kind of go through a lot of the shit, it's still weird and confusing. And none of it is very uh, comforting other than it should be okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, Joe, what do you feel about it? Just from before we go into like more specialized stuff, like general feeling about mm-hmm. the festival taking place, all this kind of stuff that we've gone over. Well, I definitely think as for like the genre of the festival and the idea of the festival, I think this has been a long time coming. Um, I do think that this is going to hit a vein that has been kind of, uh, ignored for well, the a adult long time. contemporary market has had a huge I, hole in it that's been stop. needed to be filled <laughs> please, it's just hurting me um but yes colin you're right us adult us millennials who are going to be old people soon want our damn pop punk and we want it now right and we're getting it with this festival but i do also think that yes like it is Looking at the festival and the logistics of it, I think it would be very hard not to have a rocky first start. So, yeah, let's talk about that first. Um, This adding two days thing has been, like, so strange to me Mm -hmm. because I think they've gotten to a very unique problem. And here's, here's how I'll illustrate it. Most 
festivals like this, again, talking about Bonnaroo and Coachella, just because they're very noteworthy, they split up the bands per day, right? Yeah. But this isn't it. They have just done, from what I've seen, unless they've changed the plan, which I would be shocked if they did, they've done the same lineup three days in a row. Mm -hmm. And I think that that adds a different type of stress to the situation. Um, And I would say it's a stress you get from buying the tickets, like at a Bonnaroo and Coachella. It's like, what day am I going to buy? Which days are we going to go? Are we going to buy all the tickets? Versus being stressed there which i feel like this is what this does Mm -hmm. because it's like hey man we gotta go see this band do you want to go see this band again because they were good yesterday and then that's like the weird part about it is that you feel like i feel like i would be running a gauntlet in this like yeah we gotta go here 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 and it ended up i think personally making the ga1 ticket one day ticket very invalid which i think was part of the plan and at the end of the day with putting it, you know, you should do three days of the festival because you're not going to catch everyone. Do you think that they, like, I mean, it's put on by Live Nation, the biggest, the world's promoter, basically, right? Like, they have an active marketing plan for festivals. They know what to do for the most part. And do you think that it really was a marketing thing or that maybe they just pivoted after they were so seeing this is a big conversation popular. i have a personal theory about that I've, I've been one the question at hand is was this planned from the beginning was it like hey if it has enough hype then we're just going to do the same day three times mm-hmm. or was it like oh wow the tickets are selling really well we should see if we can get another date of this together because I've seen that in live entertainment. They go, hey, we want to keep the gear another day or whatever. It's like, sure, yeah, why not? You just pay us, you know, you have, you know, part of the fees with especially equipment and bands is getting them there. So, like, once you get them there or the things there, it's pretty cheap to keep them there for another day. Yeah. The expensive part is getting them there and getting them back. That's why you get charged a lot of money for that kind of stuff, which is why, like, if you rent something for a day, it's really expensive. So, the point that I'm trying to say is that I have some doubts that this was not planned. Like my, and the reason why I have doubts about it is because of the number of bands, Mm -hmm. 62 bands, you had 62 bands, right? So you're telling me that the tickets were selling well and they made a call to 62 different teams and said, Hey, will you play another day? And none of them said anything. Yeah. None of them said, no, we have to get out. We have tour. Right. We, have we, we had another thing planned. We had a, like not one of them, not one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the conspiracy, conspiracy part of my brain is I'm just like, you ask 62 teams individually, you know, we put the tickets up. If people seem hype about it, we want to add another day. And they all said yes. And that's another thing. But I could also see that being a thing too, you know, being like, Hey guys, the hype's really real. And then being like, well, this could be good for our careers right now. Cause you know, since we're not, the hottest thing and we want to re-engage our fans and make sure that they know that we're here and we're awesome and they should still be listening to our music. So yeah, I could see them doing that too, because it's not like, you know, not to be frank, not a lot of, not every one of these bands is selling out multi arenas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it would, I could see a lot of these lower bands being like, yeah, 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 yeah. But 62 bands, like that's the kind of my problem with it. And that's the logistical problem of adding another day if that was the case is insane. If you think about it. Yeah. There would, there would definitely be an artist that would refuse. Well that, and then like you couldn't, 
if you announce the date just as it was one day 62 bands even if you wanted to be like we're gonna split the bands up over three days right you can't because there's people who have already planned to see 62 bands on one day yeah so what are you gonna do the second day be like half of the bands are on the second day and half the bands on the third day no you're just gonna add another date (laughs) <laughs> like that's the problem with this is like they might have dug themselves a hole here in doing that and i feel like at the end of the day it adds more stress to the event while it's there mm-hmm. and has consumers more at ease at home of buying and gets the stress away but it puts way more stress there at the event which is you know more stressed people in a stressed environment is a safety concern at the end of the day yeah um and that's kind of the hype of this has been crazy and i think you can kind of get into the ethics of hype and the risk versus reward here of like, was the strategy worth it? You know, Mm -hmm. if this was the strategy, if you were at the beginning, if they were like, Hey guys, all 62 bands, if it's, if it looks like it's selling really well, we want the option to increase it to two days and potentially three days. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I definitely think we're not going to know if it's paid off until it's happened. I don't think we would know until either two things could happen. I think here's the three options. If it goes really well, everybody loves it. I don't think we would ever hear about it again just because there's not going to be eyes about it. Like Mm -hmm. we'll never hear the real reason unless like I get the person from live nation into this room and I ask them like literally. (laughs) Dear Mr. Live nation. Dear Mr. Nation. How are (laughs) you anyway? But like that, that's literally what we required. The, the other two options I think if we wanted answers of really, if this was planned or not is if something if bands dropped, I mm-hmm. think that would be a huge thing. If a bunch of bands dropped or like a couple bands dropped, I could totally see somebody like on a Instagram live or something being like, yeah, we dropped cause we had concerns of this and they made us play three days in a row from the beginning. Like I could totally see that mm-hmm. or third, which I pray really hope not is something bad happens and they have to investigate around it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, then the last thing, the, another thing I want to talk about is the lineup being too good. Uh, <laughs> banning together is what I'll say about that. Uh, I think the lineup, I'm sorry, is good as it should be, and it warns the price, and that's the end of the discussion. I don't think the price is that unfair if you think about it in terms of like what you actually have the potential of getting, but I think... There is, you know, because of a lot of these bands, you know, we're like, hey, we're done for our careers. We're going to be with our families for a while and coronavirus, not Mm -hmm. letting people go to, you know, regular shows and stuff like that. There's an increased level of value of live performances. Mm -hmm. So I think that adds into the factor of people being like the lineup's too good. So it must be fake. I'm like, no, a lot of these bands are probably desperate to be honest with you with like how the economy has been for their live shows. I mean, if you think about it, these kind of genres are so live focused yeah, compared to a lot of stuff. So, you well, know, I think too, like there's just with the resurgence of this type of music and also the added on um, benefit that these fans are primarily going to be older people at this point. They're right? going to be not gonna, it's not going to be 16 with year olds expendable there. income. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, it's hitting the vein of the adults who can who listen to this music growing up is going to be able to afford a ticket and they might grumble about it but they're probably going to pay for it because they might never see these bands again. ever again yeah that's kind of the thing with it so i i don't that, that i don't think it's too good um 
And then I'm going to end with this is I asked about the live nation question to you guys. Um, I do an Instagram poll on Mondays and if you want to vote in the poll after uh, I do it on Twitter for a week and we kind of got some different answers, but like at the end of the day, which is why I preference, I don't feel weird about people feeling weird about this. People are concerned and there's a, there's a good amount of people. For instance, I asked, are you concerned with live nation being the promoter of uh, the festival? And Insta said 31% of them said yes. And 79% of them said no. And Twitter said 67% of them said yes. And 33% of them said no. So pretty big disparity there. But Mm -hmm. come go on Twitter if you want to voice your opinions. Also, always down if you guys want to DM. I did see a really funny DM from uh, uh, one of our longtime fans, Tyler, who was like all these people saying like, oh, Astroworld had all these violent events and everything. And they were like, aren't these the same people that were saying that this wouldn't happen in other genres of music? So why are they concerned about it? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I... So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think you guys have the right to be concerned because there's not really a big answer. There was a huge thing that happened and we haven't gotten any answers from that. And everyone's just like, oh, it's not my fault. Um, so the question really at hand is, is this a... Does Live Nation either one, have a systematic problem or two, just have some bad teams out there. Because mm-hmm. like I've explained on the podcast before is that Live Nation is split up. You know, it, it's not like Live Nation, the company, is all in one room yeah, somewhere. It's not the Illuminati. Right. It's, it's very much like a conglomerate of a lot of companies with small teams around Right. Them. There's specialized markets. If you don't know the market, then you're not going to be running a festival in that market. Most of the time when Live Nation acquires a business, they do not keep tabs on the business. They keep tabs on the money. On the revenue. Yeah. And then maybe they'll come in and be like, hey, we have some extra resources for y'all and everything. But other than that, like they, they don't want to mess up a good thing if you get acquired by Live Nation. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to help you and be like, hey, here's some more systems at play that we have access to because we're a giant multinational company. Mm-hmm. And you know, you guys do your best, which is why, again, I, I've always said... You guys, and it drives me insane on the, like, literally insane, is people will be like, Live Nation, the same promoter as Astroworld. And I'm like, like, Live Nation is the promoter of every concert you've been to. This is right, exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I have a little bit I prepared for Joe to illustrate. So here's here's (laughs) the thing I'm going to say this right now. You have systematic problems or different teams at different places who have different problems, right? We don't know the answer to that, mm-hmm. but Live Nation is still a huge company, right? They still have places everywhere. Any festival you can think of, they did. So I thought, well, if all these publications, right, are not going to get from me talking about it, what's going on, how big Live Nation is, and how many events they actually do, and how they're not just some small promoter out there, I thought, let's look at children's media. What's the best way to get things to children? Uh, t- uh, TV? Uh, uh, Ryan's, Ryan's Toy Review. Ryan's Toy Review. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> like, Here's my Live Nation Lego set. No, uh, no, no, Where you uh, get to close deals and acquire something. So here, I'm going to, usually this show is one live thing. I'm going to pause the recording for a minute. And we're going to come back. And I'm going to show you guys what it means and how big Live Nation is through song. Oh, my God. 
smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. So we're back, and here we go into my performance of this song that I have written the lyrics for, so I'm a songwriter, that details (laughs) how big of a company Live Nation is and... It could be scary, systematic, or a bunch of different teams. So let's see what goes on with that. And now, all the festivals run by Live Nation. Colin McKay. Skyline Festival, EDC Mexico, and there's two more of those. Rock'em Ring and Rock'em Park and Governor's Ball. Let's go down to Sweden, Rock and Love, Box and Frenzy of Rocks, of course. Beyond, Wonderland Tour, Tuga and Shaky Knees for sure. Dreamville, Big Ears, Rhythm and Vine. So good show be the great escape and bottle rocket down in the Napa Valley. It's quite nice down there. Nice, nice. Project Glow, Smokers Club, Grass and Pink Pop, Rockin' Rio, Download. Splendor and I Love Techno, Leeds, Reading, and Wuha, X, Rolling Loud, TW Classic, and How Could I Forget My First Festival, Music Midtown, Made in America, Primavera, and Way Out West. And I brought these up talking about when we were young, Fest. Electric Picnic, See Here Now, Austin City Limits, Moon River, Contact Winter, Voodoo Experience, Escape Halloween, Electric Daisy, I Days and Watershed, Wilderness Lowlands Day Trip, and Findings Fest, Corona Capital, Guadalajara, and The Roots Picnic, Creamsville and Clemson in the original one, What's the Real Difference? They're in two places, apparently. Down the Rabbit Hole, Isle of Wight, Retro Boutique, Rock in Rio, Lisbon, and Barcelona Beach, Levitating Fade in the Park, and North Sea Jazz, and Six Lollapaloozas, and Bonnaroo All Our Pack, Four Castle Heartland Forbidden Kingdom, and many, many more that we just don't have time for. But I should also mention places on an operator by Live Nation and they own Ticketmaster 2. <laughs> yeah! I did not nice. tell Joe about that. I just told him we had a. I had a bit, and I was like, "Here we go about it." Thanks. Dude. That was that was the most beautiful thing I've yeah, ever heard. Yeah. So they operate a lot of festivals. Is my point. So Colin, wait, do you want a record deal? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, let's go into the seamless transition. Uh, I've listened to the Animaniacs a lot this week. <laughs> oh, in really? Preparation of this bit. <laughs> Um, it was pretty hard to not do the United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, you know, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I listened to that, but I've been listening to, uh, funny enough, I, uh, God, I was dying at this. I was listening to real McCoy, mm-hmm. uh, who's like a nineties, uh, German Euro dance group. This and, looks like, like the album cover looks like 
a, a true crime documentary. Right. It, but yeah, it is so 90s. It's so funny. It's that like, okay, dated reference, and Joe's going to hate that I called that a dated reference, is that, <laughs> you know, Andy Samberg in Lonely Island, how he always <laughs> played the guy that was like, yeah, let's go. Like they'd be Justin Timberlake would be singing yeah, a song, and he would always come in. Box. Yeah, and he would be like talking, rapping, but it wouldn't be rapping. Mm-hmm. That's what real McCoy has, and it's <laughs> so good. It that, that if you've ever wondered where that comes from, why that's like a thing, it's from like bands like or acts like real McCoy. So it's the exact same thing of that, where it's like really you're gonna know the one song that you would know is Another Night, Another Night, Another Night. You know, like all that kind of stuff. Super Euro pop every default uh 2000 piano piano sounds on everything uh cranked up no dynamics on any of the pianos <laughs> but uh yeah it, it's funny because like you know it's, uh, this uh these two girls will be singing and they'll be singing really well and then it has that like it's so funny to me it, it, it's so dated nobody does it now but it has that guy like andy sandberg and it'll come in and it'll be like you know another night another dream and then they'll finish the verse and it'll be like love girl that's where you want to be <laughs> yes and and you're like, is this rapping? Is it talking? What is going on? And That's then amazing. like, but it's weird because it's like, it, it's, it, it's not like, it, it's like, you know, you're preparing. It might be because of the music we listen to now, but it, when you listen to it, it's kind of like, oh, we're preparing modern music for what it would be. But it, it's like slapping choruses, really lame features is what it's <laughs> like. But God, it's funny. I would also recommend Operator, which is on the Another Night by Real McCoy. But yeah, it's been a trip. So Joe, what have you been listening to? I've been listening kind of all over the place, uh, which is kind of different for me because that I... Is a surprise. Yeah, I kind of stick to one lane sometimes, especially in my personal listening, but... Um, I've been listening to a lot of 90s alternative music. Um, There's a great song by the... uh, Hold on. There we go. There's a great song by the Magnetic Fields called The Book of Love. Oh, I love the Magnetic Fields. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I love that song. Um, And then I've also been listening to a band called Prom on their new single, Never There Enough. And I've also, we just watched Luca again, and I kind of like fell in, I loved the Italian music in that movie, and I just kind of wanted to go back, and there's literally a, a playlist on Spotify called Italian Vintage Summer, and it's just a vibe. If you just want to drive and vibe out one day, watch the sunset, it's amazing. Um, there's a track by DJ Rodriguez on there called Peter Pan Syndrome that's amazing. And then... Uh, there's also Tony Rinez's uh, Quando. Uh, Quando, Quando, Quando is the, is the actual So I don't know why I got reminded of this. Uh, I found this way back in the day, but since you were speaking of Italian music, uh, so this was a real problem back in the day, <laughs> is that crooners, specifically American crooners, because you know a lot of them were Italian and based mm-hmm. in Italian culture, would try to sing in Italian. Yeah. And it wouldn't work. So, like, <laughs> it would go to the Italian market, and, like, you know, the Americans would be like, yeah, he's speaking Italian. He's a real Italian guy. And the Italians would be like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, <laughs> he's not saying anything. Like, it's just a bunch of gibberish. So, I found this song way back in the day, but it reminded me of the Lucas stuff because it's Italian music. Is uh, there's a guy, his name was Adriano Celitano, and he had a song that's called, this is really the name. Preston Colin Isaac Colin Keyhole. It's like I think that's how you pronounce it. It's so hard because the point of it is that 
it is supposed to be making fun of people like the crooners from that who mm-hmm. would sing in Italian and they would have no idea what it was in Italian because it's just gibberish. Yeah. So he has a whole song that he sings in English, but it's not English. It's gibberish. Oh, nice. So the point of it is to mimic how when they would listen to Italian crooners, they would be like, I can hear parts of words. I can hear like this part of word. It sounds like words, but it's not real words. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to the song, uh, it, it, you can look it up by basically looking up like Italian or like Italian song with fake English language. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does that the entire song. He just says like, end of all time. And that's like how the lyrics are. <laughs> it sounds like that Kanye song where it's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, Kanye did it second. But Adriano Celentano, I think is how you pronounce that. But yeah, it's uh, it just reminds me of that. It's so funny to listen to. You could I put it on a party and see if anybody like realizes and it's like, is this really words there? The album cover of, of his is amazing. Oh yeah, he's right got here. like a white big like brim fedora and like a love red his, uh, tank top and yeah, I love, love this look he's given the camera. It's very 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 European 90s. Uh but uh yeah, it's Oh god, yeah, it's definitely a trip. Maybe I'll perform that song. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you got to wear that outfit too though. I am. Uh, <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening to The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. We do really appreciate it. Again, if you would like to uh, subscribe to our newsletter, really appreciate it. Uh, Downloading the show and following us on our various social media at The Biz Tape. Always great. Uh, And at the end of the day, you do you, boo. I don't know. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) You You do do you, you. boo. I mean, you can... You can download it. You can do it. I would re- I would personally appreciate it, but I'm not going to hold it. You know, a lot of podcast people are like, and video people are like, I'm going to get you if you don't like our video or yeah. something. I was like, we're going to be nice. Well, let's have a change of pace. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be nice about it, but we'll silently judge you. Oh, that's better. Just grief. Just looking at yeah. the Very camera. passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. But we appreciate you. We'll hopefully see you next time. And thanks for sticking around. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. 
streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.